Cloud Nation. You're invited to take your seat. Take a seat. At the Warriors Roundtable. Left side, it's a three. In and out, rebound, out to Curry. Let's it fly. Three ball. Left corner pocket. Welcome to the table. On the exclusive home of your Golden State Warriors. 95-7 the game. Curry fires away. Three ball. Above the break. Here's Kevin Dana. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Warriors Roundtable on 95.7 The Game. We'd like to remind you that the 2022-23 season for Golden State is presented by Kaiser Permanente. Kevin Dan alongside Gary St. Jean taking your calls all hour long. Hit us up 888-957-9570. Again, that number 888-957-9570. A lot to get to over the course of the next 58 minutes or so. And let's start, Gary, with the wild, wild win against the New Orleans Pelicans last night. And Gary, that had to be the most frustrating first half of the entire season. And then it was followed by one of the most exhilarating second halves of the entire season. And if there was ever one game that was the 2022-23 Golden State Warriors in a nutshell, it was that game last night. Well, you, people in the first three rows were wearing hard hats because there were 14 turnovers, so the ball was flying all over the place. And then uh, nobody on the Warriors was even putting a hand up uh, against the three ball of uh, New Orleans. And you're looking, and you're just absolutely, totally frustrated with the play. They go in at halftime, and you just say to yourself, how are they going to come out? And in the meantime, I, you know, five wins in a row for New Orleans, no Williamson. They just Ingram, player of the week, averaging 30 a, a game. He's playing terrific. And you're saying, gosh, just look, this looks terrible. And uh, maybe it's a veteran team and uh, a locker room uh, talk amongst vets as well as uh, uh, coaches. And whatever reason, they came out. And it all started with Dante DiVincenzo with that tip dunk and then the three. And then uh, Draymond Green got uh, in ignition. And uh, you're looking and you're saying, wow, you're at home. You got a chance. Let's go. <laughs> you know, to me, Gary, it feels like when they're at home, sometimes the worst they play in the first half they play that much better in the second half. Like there's an inverse relationship to how poorly they play in the first half to how great they play in the second half, at least recently in some games. Yeah, that's bizarre, but it's just indicative of the entire season. You know, the road play yeah. versus home play. And you're just scratching your head trying to figure it out. And, uh, you know, in, in the meantime, you're, you're looking at this team and, you know, I, I like to look at the box score each and every game. And I, I look at the whole league. <clears throat> and last night, I easily can find something positive to say about every single guy that was in the game. Uh, yep. Just just really somebody did something special. You know, whether it was Looney with the eight rebounds and those three big offensive rebounds that created possessions for three, or, uh, you know, whether it was Draymond with the 13 assists and uh, – Maybe his verbiage lit guys up, uh, you know, and then I look at Kaminga, five for five, 17 points. DiVincenzo has, has another big game, 13-7. And that guy, Clay, uh, Clay Thompson, was solid again, and, and Steph Curry, wow. You know, he, he was just amazing. 
Uh, it's just a pleasure to watch the guy play basketball. Yeah, we will get to all of that, but let's start with the bad first half. You you mentioned some of these numbers. The Warriors coughed it up 14 times in the first half. That is what most teams in the NBA average for an entire game, or or better than that, or fewer turnovers than that for an entire game. They're booing the ball all over the place, and then the Pelicans went 9 of 14 from downtown. They shot 64% from three, and look, Herb Jones was a good, you know, decent enough three-point shooter last year, but he hit two three threes in that first half, and you know he's only 29% from three this year. I mean, anything in a small sample size can change, but it, it just looked like the Pelicans couldn't miss, and the Warriors couldn't hang on to the basketball. Yeah, and I, I just thought the, the Pelicans were wide open, uh, and they had really good looks, and they knocked them down. And, you know, Murray, I think, is exceptional. But you noted Jones. I mean, he when I when I characterize him as a defensive player, and I don't think he's a really good three-point shooter, but, you know, when they start going in, it's infectious, and it kind of spread around to the rest of their team. And, uh, you know, you, ju- you just look at it, and you say to yourself, Come on, we're better than this. And, uh, you know, you look at it and you're discouraged. But players have a way of of move on to the next play. Okay, bad first half, move on to the second half. And and with that said, you say, hey, you know, that's that's just the strength of this team. You know, today, just listening to a few uh, TV shows, uh, everybody's saying this about the Warriors. They don't want to play them. And if, if Wiggins comes back, uh, you know, it just you're just worried because that starting five is, is as good, as productive as any in the entire league. And I sure like what Peyton's bringing to the team. Uh, if anything, Steve has gone smaller, uh, you know, in his lineup. And I like it. For a while there, uh, again, Steve being creative, going boxing one on Ingram. Uh, yeah. He had Kaminga on him. He had Peyton on him. And uh, Peyton uh, on a good day, 6-2. And the other guy a legit, what, 6-10? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you you look at this and you say, holy moly. But at the end of the day, you're you're just smiling. And I, I got to say that today I, I, I would think Warrior fans were, were really, really excited. And I know we're going to talk about this crazy West and what's going on, but I still think they're going to wind up six, and I still think they're going to wind up playing the Kings. Yeah, I mean, that would be an awesome series, and we'll discuss that later on in the show. But to get back to the Pelicans game, the game really kind of turned when Draymond Green started the fire late in the second quarter. This is what Steve Kerr had to say after the game. I'll give a thought after this quote, and then, Gary, I want to get your take. But this is what Steve Kerr had to say after the game about Draymond willing the Warriors to a win last night. Uh, Draymond willed us to victory tonight. I mean, just his intensity, his frustration early um, with the way we were playing, mad at the world, yelling at everybody, their bench, our bench, me. And frankly, we we all deserved it. You know, like we are that first half was as poor a half as we've played all year and we weren't engaged. And that's what makes Draymond special. It's, um, it's not just the uh, amazing basketball IQ and defense and playmaking, but it's just his sheer will. And um, he he was he was a key tonight. Now there, Gary, are a few very glaring exceptions to what I'm about to say. Notably, the 16th technical against the Clippers, punching Jordan Poole in the preseason, 
kicking LeBron in the groin in the 2016 NBA Finals in Game 4, fighting with Kevin Durant on the bench in November of 2018. For all that, though, for the most part, Draymond does know how to toe that line without going overboard. And last night was absolutely necessary for him to toe that line. I mean, he easily could have picked up a second technical a couple of different times, but he, he knows what he can get away with better than most people in the NBA. I'll put it like that. Well, there's an old adage in the NBA that uh, winning cures a multitude of ills or winning cures a multitude of sins. And Draymond has committed a few of those. And uh, I'll share with you this, Kev. In my day, uh, the refs, uh, a lot of the coaches, they would not put up with him. They would throw him out or bench him, trade him. And, uh, you know, he's got a coach. I I think he's grateful uh, that, you know, just knows who he is as a guy. Uh, I really like the way Steve took him out of the game how uh, he tried to embrace him when he came off the floor. And, uh, you know, Draymond went down and continued to, you know, yell and scream and uh, got composed. Even Bob Myers coming down out of the stands and uh, got it under control and played a great basketball game, 13 assists. But uh, times have changed as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, I, you, you make a good point that some of these old school coaches, or maybe most of them, w- would not put up with some of the stuff that Draymond does. Uh, another thing that has stood out to me in, in some recent games, and you know, even going back to the playoffs against Nikola Jokic, especially Game 3 in Denver uh, against the Nuggets, nobody plays better defense in foul trouble than Draymond Green, that, that I've noticed. Most people, they get less aggressive on defense when they're, oh, I got four fouls early in the third quarter. I got to tone it down. I If I have to play some Olay Matador defense and let a guy get a layup, I'm going to do that. But Draymond keeps the intensity level the same, or sometimes even ups it. And, and to me, that's one of the most impressive things about Draymond. Well, you know, there's, there's an old saying again in the NBA, play hard and play smart. Well, he certainly does play hard. There, there's no debate about that. But he's one of the smartest players in the entire league. And to your point, uh, he knows how to take things away from guys, gets those arms up, bodies you down low when it's, when it's post-play, understands rotations so so beautifully. And, uh, you know, on the offensive end, a master passer, uh, none better then the double team on Steph, the short pass to the paint, and then his lob pass to Kaminga. I thought that was the yeah. best pass of the entire night out of 13 assists. So, uh, yeah. you know, when you look at this, uh, he backed it up uh, in a big-time way. He really did, and that pass to Kaminga on the alley-oop was absolutely incredible. Well, Warriors fans, celebrate Latino Heritage Night on Warriors ground. Get to Chase Center this Friday, March 31st, to see the Dubs face the San Antonio Spurs, presented by Modelo. All fans in attendance receive a Los Warriors shirt. 
Get your tickets now at warriors.com or call 888-GSW-HOOP. Representatives are standing by. We'll take a break. When we come back, a little bit more on the win over New Orleans. We'll take a look back at that very frustrating loss to Minnesota, along with their win over Philadelphia to start the homestand right after this break on 95.7 The Game. Each and every member of Dub Nation has a seat at this table. If everybody would please take your seats. The Warriors Roundtable has returned on 95.7 The Game. Now back to Kevin Dana and Gary St. Jean. Superstar artist and composer Ricardo Arjona is coming to Chase Center on May 5th. This will be the first time his tour is in San Francisco. Don't miss out. Get your tickets now at ChaseCenter.com. Welcoming you back to Warriors Roundtable on 95-7. The game, Kevin Dan alongside Gary St. Jean, still digesting that win over the Pelly Pels last night. And let's move on to the second half. The second half to remember that the Warriors had where they outscored the Pelicans 74-46. to And it all got started with a play you already mentioned, Gary, the Dante DiVincenzo tip jam to set the tone. I mean, how much can one bucket do for a team? Boy, that sure energized the team, and it sure energized the fan base. And right away, you said to yourself, ah, we're going to have one of those warrior third quarters. Here we go. And it just kept building and building, and Steph's making threes. And, you know, this week, we had a couple of unique passes. We had Luka double-teamed in the right corner, making a baseline pass to the left corner that, Looked Larry Bird-like. And then last night, Steph had a on the left box area. He's trapped. He makes a left-handed diagonal pass to Clay for a three. And I looked at that play and I said, like Luca, there's not many players in our entire league, maybe five guys, that could even make that pass. And it just it just got everything going. I mean, everybody was fired up. And you just you love being part of that experience. Yeah, I mean, that was the exact pass I was thinking about when Steph made that pass to Clay, the Luca to Jaden Hardy in the corner from the previous night. And, and that set up the kind of the knockout blow three against the Pelicans last night. And, and Steph in the second half had a performance for the ages. He finished the game with 39 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, three steals, but 22, five and six assists with just one turnover in the second half. Golden State, only five turnovers in the second half after 14 in the first. And he had multiple, what I'd call kind of uppercut threes in that second half that really kind of took the wind out of the Pelican sails as he went 5 for 10 from deep in the second half. Well, I think the Pelicans were thinking, geez, you know, we're, we're playing terrific. I mean, I, I looked at them, and they defend. They, they get downhill off the bounce, and they're physical. Uh, there's a lot to like about what they're doing. And, um, you know, what shooting, I mean, but they couldn't match that shooting as good as they were in the first half. The Warriors did the same thing in the second half. And they're a good perimeter defensive team. And Steph knocked down shots. His his footwork, it's a, it's a thing of beauty. Yeah. It's like he's like a ballerina out there. And uh, he tiptoes through the tulips. And he, he's just beautiful to watch, to create space. And that's the biggest thing. You need space to get the shot off. 
and you think, oh, gosh, I, you know, I'm really up on him. I'm in his grill, you know, that kind of thing. Next thing you know, you're getting posterized like a lot of guys have. Yeah, and as good as Stephen Curry was, what was also impressive to me were the non-Steph fourth quarter minutes. He sat for about two minutes and 35 seconds while the game was really up for the taking. It was 99 to 96 when he left the floor at the 804 mark. And then when he came back at 529, they had bumped the lead up to 105-98. And Jordan Poole hit a three, hit a free throw within that stretch. I thought Jordan had a really solid game overall, finishing with 21 points, took good care of the basketball. I believe he also only had one turnover and had a really nice plus-minus in that game as well. But anytime you can go plus four in a a two-and-a-half-minute stretch without Steph Curry, you're doing a lot of things right. That's terrific. And look, uh, hey, it's our job to be honest when we talk about the team. And, you know, Poole has gotten a a number of nights where he's gotten a little constructive criticism. Well, last night, uh, you know, he he played really solid. He made shots. Uh, He didn't throw the ball away. Uh, We can look at the Minnesota game conversely and question a couple things in that game. And, you know, I'll go on the list. I, I, Hey, I don't care. Uh, I, he's got to play well. Uh, it, it's just paramount for this team. If he plays well and accepts this role that he's in right now, uh, that sure is great for this team. And, you know, with Peyton there and potential that uh, Wiggins comes back, then you're starting to get really excited about the team. But, you know, as a young guy, don't listen to any of this stuff. Don't read any of this stuff. Uh, just go out there and play and enjoy the game. And he had spent so much of the season averaging under 15 points per game when he's coming off the bench, Jordan. The last three games, 27 points per game off the bench, which has been huge, including the 27 against Minnesota, which was a head-scratching loss. Uh, Their second really just heart-wrenching loss to the Timberwolves this year. They had the 14-point fourth quarter lead in Minnesota at the end of January that they Uh, or maybe the beginning of February, January 31st, February 1st. I don't quite remember the exact date, but they, you know, they lost that one in overtime. You do all the work to erase a 12 point second half deficit, claim the lead late, and then cough it up in the final 20 seconds. Poole has the step back three from 30 feet out. That probably uh, was one he should not have taken. You have the, the turnover that led to the Carl Anthony Towns three that gave Minnesota the lead for good. You have Poole and Curry not communicating well. Three back-to-back-to-back, just back-breaking offensive possessions that didn't produce anything. And how about this, Gary? Per StatCast, and I I read this in a Shana Rubin article on uh, the San Jose Mercury News, Golden State leads the league with 14 turnovers in the last minute of a one-score game, and that was all on display against the Timberwolves. Well, there's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Our friend Clint Eastwood. And uh, <laughs> nobody moves the basketball around like the Warriors. Nobody gets assist numbers like the Warriors. But their turnovers are, have been a demise this season. And uh, that with the fouling uh, has really hurt them on the court this year. Uh, and, you know, if you don't do it during the end of the game, you can you kind of just shake your head and you move forward. But when it's at the end of the game, uh, then it's tough. And the turnover, your point now, was the Draymond simple pass from the top to the wing. 
and then and then the pool pass uh, that just went out of bounds, and that that'll lose you a game. That's just the way it is. And on the other side of the coin, uh, we should define what a wedge is, Kev. And right, it's not a it. golf shot. It's not a golf club. <laughs> Uh, a wedge is mean you're wedging your tr- two shots. You're trying to get two shots within that last, I don't know, 40, 50 seconds on the clock in a quarter, uh, at the half, and, and sometimes at the end of the game. Not not a lot at the end of the game. And what you're trying to do is get get something up there. Say there's 45 seconds. You want to get something up there within for 15 seconds so that you're going to have the ball with, Oh, I'm going to say 30 to 35 seconds. Uh, you give it back to the opponent, and then you're going to wind up getting it back for, you know, maybe five to 10 seconds on the other end. And you can get two shots in there. You wedge it in there. And uh, to me, uh, unless you're on fire, uh, that's not a good shot. Now, if that's Steph Curry, I'm going to live with that. But to me, that's a young player making a mistake. Yeah. Yeah, no, it it was a young player making a mistake to me too, and just the game before, Jordan Poole was incredible in the fourth quarter against the Philadelphia 76ers, who I'm sure you and I are, are both watching play the Dallas Mavericks right now. The fighting Greg St. Jeans with a five point lead <laughs> in the third quarter in Philly. How about this performance for for Dallas to this point? But I mean, Jordan Poole, 19 points, a plus 17 in playing all 12 minutes of a fourth quarter of just a blood-pumping win over the Philadelphia 76ers as he finished that game with 33 points and was making all the right moves, pulling all the right strings there in crunch time for Golden State. Well, and this this is the upside of this young guy. Uh, yep. He's got a wealth of talent. Uh, I, I love his uh, – he's got big eyes. He, he really loves to compete. And um, – you know, he gets to the line, he's money. Uh, I think his defense has gotten better. You don't hear it talked about nearly as much. And uh, and that'll be a big test in the playoffs because uh, they're going to continue like teams are going to go at Phoenix and Chris Paul. Teams are going to go at him till you prove them different. And uh, But I, I, am, I am pleased that he, he looks like he's receptive to the coaching to his teammates, yeah. and I think he really wants to win, and I really like that about him. Yeah, he he works really hard. We've heard about his work ethic dating yep. back to his rookie season with Golden State. You know his heart's in the right place. It's just a matter of putting things together. The other thing that stood out to me from that Philadelphia 76ers game, and look, I've watched the Sixers both times against Golden State, probably watch them a handful of times the rest of the year, and I'm not watching full games. I don't watch the Nuggets a ton unless they're playing Golden State. I'm covering five different leagues at different points during the season, so I don't have a lot of time to watch non-Warrior NBA games. I do when I can, but you know, I'm not the expert on this one, but for about 42 minutes against the Golden State Warriors on Friday night, to me, Joel Embiid looked like the MVP. Absolutely unstoppable, getting to the line at will, and I really didn't have a, a quibble with any of the foul yeah. calls he was getting. They were all warranted. I mean, he shot 19-22 from the foul line and went for 46-9-8. Now, he might have ran out of gas late over the course of his 38 minutes. The, the last four or five minutes of the fourth quarter maybe didn't quite have it, but man... He looked more unstoppable than anybody else in the league for the first three and a half quarters of that game. 
Kev, is it fair to say he's the most physically imposing player in the league? Uh, Him or Giannis? Yeah, I, Giannis does it with uh, with a grace and a quickness and, and speed, jumping ability. This guy just sheds you off like, you know, you're, you're a third grader. Uh, yeah. and, and the game is so much different. With a guy like him in the old days, he'd be down in the low post. But they get him right at the nail. Uh, they get him down there uh, at that area, and he just goes one-on-one, and uh, he just dominates from there. Just, just terrific. And uh, he's playing beautiful basketball with Harden. And, uh, Kev, I, I clearly, in my mind, they're the th- third best team in the league. And uh, you can talk about him for MVP. It's extremely legit. And, uh, you know, they're they're a heck of a team. But he, he really, you know, you don't get to see him play here on, on the West Coast a lot. Uh, no. I, I just, I, I remember my son, Greg. He, he was, uh, I think he was in Sacramento then. And uh, he got asked to go back to uh, Kansas to work a guy out that played for the Warrior for the Kings. And uh, he came back and he said, Dad, I, I think I've seen the best big guy uh, that I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, whoa. And he said, if this guy can stay healthy, I think he's going to be uh, the best big in the league for the next 15 years. Well, he's looking like a prophet because uh, he, he's, <laughs> he's tremendous. He, he really, really is. Jokic does it in a different way, and he's tremendous, and that's why we could debate all week the MVP stuff. Uh, you know, you got Adekompo on, on the best team in the league right now. I think Tatum and Doncic have kind of slipped uh, back a little bit, but those are the three guys to me, and uh, he's, he's just, uh, you know, he's had a calf issue. Uh, hopefully, he, yeah. the big thing with him, can he stay healthy? And if he is... Yeah. Uh, you know, they're going to be tough to beat. Boston's struggling right now, and I still got to be convinced that Middleton's going to be really healthy. And if he is, that's a different team. So tonight, speaking of Milwaukee, Drew Holiday is at 51 points at last check. Really? Giannis had a 38-point triple-double going with like 17 rebounds and 12 assists. Now they were wow. playing uh, the Pacers. The final score was 149-136 to 136 in that game. But, yeah, just a huge game. For those two, and uh, yeah, Middleton did not play in that one. To your concern uh, about Middleton, but uh, yeah, just you, you mentioned Embiid's injury history. Just the last thing, he missed the first full two seasons. Did not play yeah. at all until his third year out of Kansas, and only played thirty-one games that year. But luckily, he's been able to be more available than that in, in recent seasons. Well, in some other Golden State news and nuggets, that loss to Minnesota, one silver lining is that it was the return game of GP2. Gary Payton the second playing his first game back with Golden State after the trade with the Portland Trailblazers. And to me, Gary, he looked really good against Minnesota. He hit a corner three, went three for four, had a big block on Carl Anthony Towns. And, you know, pardon the, the pun, but it looked like he fit like a glove back out there with the Warriors. <laughs> That's beautiful. And Dad was there watching, and uh, yep. you know it, it. It's just something in the NBA that really sticks out when you know that teammates and coaches believe in you and trust you, and that's all so evident to me. And then he, all of a sudden, uh, you find him, 
you know, guarding in the triple, uh, in the box and one situation. He's guarding Ingram, that kind of thing. And, and he, he just uh, blocks Carl uh, Anthony Towns. And you just look at him, and, and the guy is, is just, a, a, just a, the, the epitome of, of a real positive defensive player. I, I just love that about him, and he knows who he is, and he stays within his game. The the downside of him coming back is that now Steve Kerr has to adjust some rotations and, and the downside, no Jamichael Green the last couple of games. Moses Moody has seen much less court time. And I was just talking about this uh, with someone last night, kind of about the rotations. And, and, you know, it's one thing to say, hey, if player X is playing 17 minutes, instead of him playing 17 minutes, he plays eight minutes so you can give player Y nine minutes. But, I mean, you can explain this better than me, Saint, from the perspective of a coach. Like, a, a coach generally doesn't want to play more than nine to ten rotation players. And so, and, and if you split a guy's minutes too much, then that none of those players are going to be in the rhythm they need to be in the game. And then you just get, like, a bunch of guys who are only going to be out there for a handful of minutes and they don't have that game lather. I mean, what's that decision like as you try to bring someone back in and keep the rotation at a certain number? No, you, you're right on it. And, and Steve, if anything, has a history of playing a lot of people. And uh, yeah. history tells you that in the playoffs that people lower uh, their rotation, the number of players that are in there. But uh, Steve sticks with it. If he believes in guys, he'll play 10 guys. Uh, he'll play nine guys. I, I know a lot of guys in years past that have only played eight. I've, e- I've even seen seven. And yeah. to your point, you don't want to play two or three guys four or five minutes. Uh, that, that's, that just doesn't work. And uh, so with that said, your explanation's right on. You want to give guys and know when they're going to be in there. And, uh, you know, they get a feel for it. And, uh, you know, like right now, uh, Steve has gone even, as I said before, even gone smaller with, um, you know, playing Peyton. They may play four smalls and, and one big. And that big yeah. may be Looney or, or Draymond or Kaminga. Uh, on the other side of the coin, a guy like Jamichael Green, who's done a nice job here in the second half of the year, uh, they probably sat him down and said, we're going to go this way for a while, uh, stick with it. And if we play against some big teams, it's going to be matchups. So, uh, you know, stick with us. And uh, so with that said, this is what we're looking at right now. And, uh, you know, I, I still think I'm, I'm looking at this thing and, there's no reason to me why they can't be six. I, I just really believe yeah. it's going to happen. Well, they, they currently have the number six spot. They're a half game up on Minnesota, who is playing Phoenix tonight in the return game of Kevin Durant. One guy who is going to be in the rotation for sure, for sure, and has solidified himself in that rotation over the last couple of month, months is Jonathan Kaminga. On the five-game road oh. trip where Golden State went two and three, 16.2 points per game shot, better than 60% from the field. And he just continues to make wild plays. We see it with him on the defensive end, him willing to take the assignment to, to pick up some of these high-level scores and ball handlers full court at times or just pick them yep. up right after half court. And then so many times, it goes beyond the dunks for me with Jonathan Kaminga, not to mention the improved three-point shooting we've seen from him recently. But just some of his finishes in traffic – where he's not dunking it, where he's even just laying it in, kind of like a swim move with the left hand off the glass. Yep. Only the top 1% of players can finish around the rim 
the way that Jonathan Kaminga does. He just brings a completely different dimension to this Warriors team. Well, there's a phrase that's been in vogue here, I don't know, 10, 15 years, and that's being able to play vertical. And uh, he's definitely the vertical guy for, for the Warriors. And, and <laughs> they lying. play him in that dunk position, and he no better example than last night's play, which you brought up about Draymond catching it out of the double team and lobbing to him. That's the dunker spot. You're weak side low, and you, you don't stand there and wait till the guy gets the ball. You, when you see the ball in the air, you're gathering and going toward the rim, and that was perfectly timed. How about the big three? he made in the right corner. And then you touched on it, that runner that he had on the right side that he kissed off the glass from about eight feet. Yeah. And you're saying, wow. And then this this defense, it's just so impressive that he, he just has taken on this challenge because he has the physical skill set to do this. And you don't see a lot of young guys doing that. And let me tell you something. There isn't one guy in the locker room, coach or player, that doesn't love it when he takes the challenge of playing the other team's best player. You know, I'm, I'm watching this, as you said, the Philly game against uh, uh, Dallas. And, and how about the job he did, what was it, two weeks ago against Luka? Uh, he's just willing to play anybody. And uh, just big credits to him. The Warriors Community Foundation auction presented by Cash Creek Casino Resort is now open. Bid on items like a game-worn Stephen Curry jersey or lunch with head coach Steve Kerr. Text Warriors to 76278 or visit warriors.com slash auction to bid. We're going to take one more break. When we come back, we'll break down the Western Conference playoff outlook for Golden State. It is still a jumbled mess. It will be down to the final game of the regular season. We've got that coming up on the other side of this break right here on 95.7 The Game. Kevin Dana and Gary St. Jean are holding court. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! At the Warriors Roundtable. You can't handle the truth! Curry screened by Draymond. Curry gets free for three. Got it! On 95.7 The Game. Now back to Kevin Dana and Gary St. Jean. Let's take a look at the upcoming broadcast presented by Ticketmaster. The action continues Friday night at Chase Center against the San Antonio Spurs. Tim Roy and Tom Tolbert will have you at 6.30 on the air. Tip at 7 p.m. That is Latino Heritage Night presented by Modelo. And it's a quick one-game trip out to Denver to take on the Nuggets Sunday, April 2nd. 5 p.m. airtime, 5.30 tip time with Tim Roy and Jim Barnett. Then back home for the final regular season home game. is the regular season finale presented by Chase. It's against the Oklahoma City Thunder, 6.30 on the air, 7 p.m. tip time. Then the last two regular season games on the road, beginning with Sacramento on Friday, 6.30 on the air, 7 p.m. tip time. That's Friday, April 7th. And then the regular season concludes Sunday, April 9th at Portland. A noon airtime, 12.30 p.m. tip for the last game of the regular season. And right now, five games to go for Golden State. Kevin Dan and Gary St. Jean with you here on 95.7 The Game. Taking your calls for the next eight minutes or so, 888-957-9570. The Warriors are in sixth by a half game over Minnesota, who currently has the tiebreaker over Golden State due to better conference record. 40-37 and 37 are the Warriors. They are two and a half ahead of Dallas, who has 
a fourth quarter lead against Philadelphia. It's a three-point game there. So I'm sure Gary and I have a different rooting interest in this Mavericks-Sixers game. I, I just want the Warriors to secure a play-in spot sooner rather than later. Ah. Uh, of course, uh, Greg St. Jean uh, might be uh, pr- giving a little more uh, inspiration to Gary for who he might be rooting for in this game. But it's going to be nip and tuck the rest of the way, and I think 43-39 and 39 probably gets it done for Golden State to get into the top six, but even at that, they, they still don't really control their own destiny at 43-39. and 39. They would still need a little bit of help to get into the top six, though I do think that's kind of the number they need to reach. Well, that's very fair, and and you know I I've got it broken down this way, and I'm going to give nothing but praise to New Orleans and Minnesota who are right there. I'm hoping Minnesota loses tonight at Phoenix, yeah. uh, and and I think the Warriors are going to get six. Uh, now, I look just above, and the Clippers are beating the Grizzlies tonight without Leonard yeah. and George, and Westbrook at one point was eight for nine from the floor. Yeah. Uh, then you've got the bottom three. And I think they're battling for 10 and 9. One of them won't make it. Lakers, Oklahoma City, Dallas. As I said, Lakers are beating the Bulls tonight on the road. Big win. OKC, uh, you know, that team there, they've done a fantastic job. Their future is so, so bright. And then you got Dallas who just shot themselves in the foot this week, losing twice to Charlotte. They're going to look back and say that was the killer. They might get into 10, but I'm not too optimistic because I just don't think they're playing well. Two things are killing them. They don't rebound and they don't defend. Uh, they can yeah. score and they got two future Hall of Famers. But if you don't do that in big basketball games, you're not going to win. And uh, that's why I look at the Warriors. And somehow, some way, that last road trip, they won four times in the rebounding battle, Kev. So yeah. even you can play small if your guys are committed that gang rebound. Everybody's going to get in there. Long shots create long rebounds. And if you get in there after a three and, and get the one that goes maybe out almost to the free throw line or to the corner, and then you got the advantage going the other way. So I, I just feel really good about where they are. I, I, I like the schedule. I think it looks good. And, and uh, I think by this time next week, we're going to be uh, feeling really good about things. Well, the schedule definitely looks good on paper, especially with San Antonio coming down, uh, coming to town to wrap up the four-game homestand. But you got to avoid the temptation to say this is a gimme because this is a Warriors <laughs> team that is 0-2 against the Detroit Pistons this year. Detroit, yeah. who, by the way, has the worst record in the NBA at 16-59. and And that included a loss of the Pistons following uh, on a five-game win streak at home, sixth game of an eight-game homestand, and they lose on a buzzer beater to Sadiq Bey. Just nothing has been easy, even though the Spurs just suffered the worst loss of the Popovich era in their 44-point loss to the Boston Celtics earlier this week. They've been trying different lineups, giving different rookies playing time. Dominic Barlow on a two-way contract, getting 15, 20 minutes recently in in these games. But I, I... you just with this team, you can't say, "Oh, they're going to beat the Spurs by twenty-five on Friday." Well, it isn't the seventy-win Warriors, so you know history creates a a confidence level or a, you know a little suspect. And and you're you're right to say that, 
But I, I think they're going to take care of business. I, I, I really do. And, and uh, you know, then everybody keeps saying this. I wouldn't want to play him. No way. No. Yeah, no, I, I I wouldn't want to play Golden State either, especially if Andrew Wiggins comes back. Steve Kerr saying yesterday before the game that Wiggins has been working out on his own, still an indefinite timeline to return. Well, one last question for you, and uh, I want to get your response to this because I know you really want to see Warriors-Kings in the first round. Draymond Green said as much on his podcast, and, and, you know, just for travel purposes, how refreshing a 70-minute bus ride sounds as opposed to a, a four-hour plane ride to a Memphis or a Dallas or something of that sort. But to me, I'm not a fan of not trying to get as high of a seed oh, as possible. Sure. Like, yeah. like Sacramento is going to be the number three seed, barring a complete Grizzlies collapse or a complete Kings collapse to drop into fourth. Like, that stuff can backfire on you. Remember the 2007 Dallas Mavericks when they won <laughs> Golden State in the first round? How did that work out? Because they, they essentially, like, sat all their guys against Golden State one of the last games of the regular season so they can more or less get Golden State into the playoffs. And then, and then I, I'm not sure if the 97, 96 Bulls would have beaten the Golden State Warriors at Oracle in the first round. Just, I mean... And that's it's going to be the similar thing for whoever plays the Sacramento Kings in the first round of the playoffs because the Kings have great fans, and they've been waiting since 2006 for a playoff series to come there. I, I just think that it is going to be a hornet's nest for whoever the Sacramento Kings play in the first round. Like, I don't think Sacramento can get past the second round, but with that yeah. home court advantage in the first round, I wouldn't want to play them. Well, it's Sabonis and Fox are, are playing great, and uh, kudos to Mike Brown. And, you know, the other thing is the Cowbells have a lot of dust on them, but they're going to bring out the Cowbells up there. And uh, when you're in that huddle, uh, you can't even hear or talk. Yeah. It's, it's amazing uh, what goes on there. And, uh, yes, you should strive to get as high as you get to, but I, I don't know if they're going to catch the Clippers. I think Phoenix, Kevin's coming back tonight. I don't think yep. Phoenix is going to drop. So the Clippers are the ones, and uh, so we'll see what happens there. But uh, I, I'm still locked into the to the six. And uh, with all with all that said, uh, that would be a, an amazing, amazing series, Kev. It really would. I would certainly look forward to it. That's for sure. Well, that'll do it for our show tonight. A big thank you to Mark Grandy behind the glass today, helping us out. Big thank you to R.C. Davis and Marika Kletto of the Golden State Warriors for helping put this show together for the Saint. I'm Kevin Anacine. So long here from Warriors Roundtable on 95.7 The Game. Have a great evening, everyone. You've been listening to the Warriors Roundtable. Curry brings it through. One hand three. Up and good. On the exclusive home of your Golden State Warriors. That play and nailed it. 95.7 The Game. For tickets, call 888-GSW-HOOP.